Well, they blew up all the chickens in Bonanza last night. Now they burned down the jobs board, too. Down at the showdown, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them merchant boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from CBS. And Jonathan Karsh can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble by the microwave. And the town council's hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Well, now everyone cries, baby, that's a fact. But everyone that cries chugs their root beer back. Put your gold star on, put your bandana pretty. And meet me at Kid Nation in Bonanza City. My name is Daniel Kyrie. Uh, I am known, at least in relation to Kid Nation, as DK. I am fully no longer 14, and that feels good. I'm a grown up, um, as least, at least as much as I can call myself that. And I live in Chicago, Illinois still. Uh, I am a professional full time actor. I am currently on the NBC series Chicago Fire, I play a firefighter, no, only gay firefighter with the Lily Keep Dalmatian puppy. And uh, yeah, I live in, um, in Chicago. Yeah, nice, cool. So, so we wanted to kind of go back to the beginning, or at least the beginning of Kid Nation, and talk about the kind of like the casting process. What was the casting process for you? How did you get selected to be on Kid Nation? Right. So I think I think I don't know if you guys have um, been like following up with any of the other uh, former contestants. Yeah, we uh, talked to uh, we talked to Laurel and we've talked to Andre. Okay, so so <laughs> Sophia actually, who I just connected with literally today, has like this whole thing on um on on her YouTube page where she answers questions like these. But oh. it got me thinking. So I'm happy that you that you're asking now because it got me thinking about it. But um, I remember essentially for me, I was doing this uh, program in Chicago called the Chicago Children's Choir. Right, so. It was just like any you know, extracurricular activity that I did with my siblings. And there was this, there was like a concert where all the different branches, because Chicago is segregated as hell, all the different branches of this organization will come together and host like this yearly, I don't know, gala kind of event uh, in downtown Chicago. So we all kind of came together and each like district would kind of do like their own number and whatever. And we, at the time, one of the one of the more popular things that we were doing was this rendition of of Kirk Franklin's. Oh, what is the name of that song? Know that I've been looking for you, because he has this whole part where he's like, um, where he where he's front and center in on the track, and he's going in the front now. Here we go now. Where you at now, <laughs> ladies? And then they do. So it's like this call and response thing that he does. Oh my God, and, Kirk um, Franklin. I did that. That was my that was my part in the in the in the concert. So I did. I, w- I was Kirk Franklin. Whoa. So little fourteen year old self, or maybe I was. 13 at the time, uh, got up and like, just with all this energy jumping up and, and down and around the stage doing the whole thing. So anyway, long story short, a casting um, associate was in the, was scouting in the audience and they contacted my 
choir instructor who contacted my family and they were like, would you like to go and try out for this, like, you know, Survivor Junior TV show thing? And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. And, uh, <laughs> oh my God, course, that Kirk Franklin must have killed then. Just <laughs> I'm not, Listen, I was great. <laughs> <laughs> Like this little, this little, this child, this like child jumping up and down and around stage, just you know, yelling at people. And... I'm imagining this casting person taking these notes, like circling, yes, got it. They <laughs> <laughs> probably were taken by the fact that I absolutely reveled in that in that power that I had over the audience at that moment. But I mean, yeah, no, it was you, fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, when you hear the recap of the show, we do call you a standout kid. So you're a you're uh, oh. definitely like a force on the show. <laughs> you, it's a good or bad thing, though. That's the thing. question. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing because there's like this, you know, you weren't afraid to be your emotional self with everybody. And also like the big, you were one of the bigger kids, right? Like, so you're a little bit 14 of an adult, of an adult in the kid nation land, even though no one was adults and and everyone was kids. Um, well, Greg was 30, but other than Greg... <laughs> well, right, right, right. right. Just intimidation factor alone, he was a super adult in the town. <laughs> 40, 30, or me. But... <laughs> uh, uh, I, see, and you say it's a good thing, and I just remember, I don't talk about being on the show much because it's so, like, it's cringy. Yeah. It's just in the fact of, like, being not a fully formed person and i hear you saying the thing about the emotional stuff which now is something that i value as an adult like at least the the vulnerability involved in like embracing the emotional self but like at that at that time and not necessarily having um as much language to even express myself i think i cringe at the at the way 14 year old me uh expressed sometimes which there's a whole lot of unpacking I'm sure I'll do with my therapist at some point, but <laughs> at the very least, like I think about it and I have a cringe reaction, even if it doesn't come from a place of judgment because I was a child. But. Well, you know, something we noticed about, and I, I, again, this is like the weird part of television, right? I was about to say, the weird thing about your character, it wasn't your character, it was, you know, you, but we noticed for you and some of the other kids, but mainly for you, there was moments, I think, when maybe there was confrontation or kids were, you know, not washing dishes or whatever the draw, you know, the Bonanza City drama was, we noticed that a lot of kids would, it seemed like they would say things maybe their parents would say. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, when you can hear yourself being your parent. Like, yeah. like, I think there was something about like, sit down and respect a 14 year old or something like that. And I was like, oh, I can hear a mom saying this or like a parent saying this. I remember one of the things I said after some kind of confrontation with like, I think it was Taylor or something. And there's just this cutaway scene of me and there's some other people sitting around me and I'm going, I'm 14 years old. You're, you're 10, like I'm th or, or, or whatever. I'm four years older than, than you. You need to respect me. <laughs> and like, it was like yes, yes, watching yeah. this little person, like just regurgitate this thing that, yeah, totally. It's like your mom would say something like, I'm the adult, you're the kid, sit down and listen. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. much of what you see in the, in the, in the interactions on that show, I think is actually, yeah, it's the channeling of a, of a, cause what else do we have at that point? You know what I mean? To sh show us what is right or wrong. And then you get there and there are these, these other forming, you know, uh, uh, uh people in development. Yeah 
who Pi- are or pioneers, the as we would call them in the, <laughs> or pioneers, as we would call them in the. Uh... <laughs> Do it, yeah. So pioneers, these pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> pioneers on their journey yeah no i'm it's i'm i'm glad that we weren't alone because i think when you hear what kids say it comes from where you're from right and then hope well if we're, if we're lucky we get the chance to meet new people and maybe live somewhere else expand horizons go to school like whatever that looks like but we're dealing with 10 10 to 14 year olds and some eight and lord we know some eight-year-olds as well <laughs> Yeah, I was watching. So I actually, I actually took a. It was the worst idea that I've ever had. But I actually sort of re-binged uh, the show with the people that I've been quarantining here in Chicago with um, my co-star and roommate and our respective partners. And um, it just, you know, boy, was it uncomfortable. <laughs> And it was uncomfortable, and also I think I had a lot more compassion for myself and for the other kids than I did, you know, at the at the time that it was airing or immediately after, because it's just like this refrain just got even with even with Greg, in my opinion, it's just like there we we were a bunch of kids, like we were children, you know, and so like even though you're tempted to sort of villainize a Taylor or villainize a Greg, there are also moments throughout the show that were captured and also that were never even seen of like, oh yeah, and like I'm sitting here watching it and remembering as as I'm watching. And I'm like, well yeah, these are complex, you know, kids trying to figure this this really kind of like fun but difficult thing. Um and then we're being filmed, and then there are, of course, the outside forces of the narrative that's being pushed and laid over our own our interactions. Mm-hmm. There's so much to take into consideration, and I think that's maybe this answers the question that I've been wondering, which is why the hell is this popping up again now after all this time? <laughs> and I think it's just this little bizarre time capsule like moment of 2007, where it's just like. This was the time. This was such a direct reflection of where we were at at that time. At least it feels like to me. Yeah. Because yeah. else could that show have gotten? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we we have a running joke on the podcast where anytime George W. Bush or the Iraq War is mentioned, take a drink. It's <laughs> it's wild. Sure. It's truly wild to see like Taylor spouting off about like, well, George W. Bush told me this, so. I <laughs> Lots of Saddam Hussein mentions, and you're, and it's children mentioning this. It's like yeah, but I remember watching, and it was like I think it was oh gosh, was it Emily or 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 uh, what's her name Savannah? Yeah. I think it might have been who like when they were talking about killing the chickens. Oh yeah, that yeah. I and know. It, like someone said something along the lines of like they're gonna hang them like Saddam Hussein. I remember like my jaw, watching it now, like dropped. I was like holy. Yeah, I was like, why are these kids watching the snuff film of Saddam's execution? This is truly wild. <laughs> How did they get access to that? <laughs> well, and even too, when you're saying like, why is this popping up now? I think, because um, I, you know, besides with comedy and podcasting and the audio realm, I work in unscripted and docuseries reality. And right, right. now, we are in an era of like Queer Eye. We're in an era of uplifting reality TV of, you know, it needs to be inclusive and Smart. Great British Baking Show. Great British mm. Baking Show. It's soothing. We're soothing because 
We don't yeah. look outside our window right now because outside yeah. our window, everything is totally upside down. And not that things weren't then. I think we were just more okay with things being upside down and encouraging the upside down because right. it was just such a different era of like that mm. gotcha kind of television was way more okay in the early days of Wild West reality TV where now we don't want people to feel like they had like, you know, the rug pulled out from under them. We want to uplift people. But again, is that like, but there was, is that real? I don't know. It's, it's complicated, right? Thinking of the landscape of reality television in also terms of like what's going on socially and politically and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I mean, it's like this. It's like, I mean, I mean, we all work in this industry one way or another, but it's like all content, whether, whether um, it is sort of explicitly talked about or not, all content is curated. Mm-hmm. And so that point, what is quote unquote reality and what is it? Yeah. Well, and even saying, yeah, even saying like with the villainizing too, like when we're watching the show, it is like it's a television format with characters and people. So you do start to think in that like way. And then you do have to check yourself and go, this is a 10 year old. I shouldn't judge them for starting a fight with another 10 year old because that's what 10 year olds do. And that's okay. And that's totally what they do. And like when did we stop like understanding that? It's like we mm-hmm. we actually did. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm currently. I took you guys upstairs with me. This you can shoot to use in the podcast or not, but okay, I found it. This is a cocktail I made last night. I'm gonna oh. have it because quarantine. I don't have anywhere else to go. Um, <laughs> What's in it? Looks like a But you know what? Oh, I did want to bring up a point though. Um, is that I actually feel like it's more accurate in some ways to refer to the DK that made it that the cut in the editing room as a character than as me because it's such a myopic view of who I even was at that time who any of us were because again like there's the there is the narrative to factor in right like yeah if if this is the conflict or this is the hook, this is the thing that's making us lean in, of course we're only gonna show this like this side. Mm-hmm. I think the person that I think if if I had to judge, and I think they did a pretty good job of just like of also showing different sides to different people, but also for the most part, I mean they were going after, even in the casting process, this I this sort of archetypal casting. Right. So that you get, you know, they went in with points of contention and drama in mind because otherwise you don't have a show. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the and whole so, religion episode was that. Like, it, if we yeah. didn't have it before, that was it hammered down our throats. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a question um, about the episode where you almost leave. Um, I was wondering yes. if, if you could talk, I think it was about halfway through the series' run. I was wondering if you could talk about what kind of led up to that and also kind of shine some light on what exactly you and Gylan talked about. I mean, I think the main question I have about that is, did Gylan whisper in your ear like, hey, we're about to give you $20,000. Stay for one more episode. Um, a basic, okay, so basically, for, from my remembering, uh, what occurred on, for me emotionally... So I have I have an older sister, uh, Delisha. I mean, I have, a, I have six siblings, so I have a lot of... I have a big family, but... My older sister and I had, we were inseparable and very close in age. She's a year and some change older than me. 
Um, and uh, I remember like that was the longest time literally since my birth that I'd been away from her. So as much as, you know, whatever conflict or whoever might have like said something to upset me. And honestly, I think that probably is closer to the truth. I feel like somebody said something to upset me or like whatever. And like, I was just trying to bail and go, go home. But I remember a large part of that being about me missing uh, my, my older sister, uh, Delisha. Um, and I was watching, I'm, I was, I remember being like so embarrassed about the fact that I cried on, on television. And now I have so much more grace and space for that now that I'm like older. Like when I was watching that episode, I was like, yeah, yeah, dude, you feel your feels. But um, and so what ended up happening with Guylan, there's a lot in our conversation. It was, I think, much longer than it appeared on than what made it onto the TV. But our conversation was long and it was a lot of back and forth. And um, he said, you know, the stuff about the brother, I felt really close to him at that time. And then to my recollection, he totally alluded. He was just like, just literally just stay like five more minutes. Trust me. It was, it was something like that. Uh-huh. And I was okay, I feel like something really keeps about to go down. So I'll like kick around. And I think you can even see like in the moment where I'm like, I decided to stay for you guys. I'm like, that's not fucking true. I decided to like figure out what he was alluding to. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I think I had an inkling that I would want to go sorry if I stayed. So that was a part of my decision to stay. But um, I didn't know about it at all before that, before that conversation with Guylon. Oh, and then we got to meet your whole family, which was so cute with the phone call. Yeah. Were they... <laughs> Were they shocked? Yeah. Were they surprised? Well, I, um, you asked were they surprised, and I think I think it's like this. I think if I'm remembering correctly, obviously production knew ahead of time who would be getting gold star because otherwise, how the hell would they have a camera crew waiting in your home? Mm-hmm. So I don't remember. I don't remember the order of things. If it was like. On this day, you do whatever. On this day, it's Challenge Day. And then on this day, it's Gold Star Deliberation Day in Town Hall. But I think the Gold Star thing had to have happened beforehand. So the illusion of, like, deliberation and choice in the moment, I think, was probably one of the bigger falsehoods on the show. Because I think that that was something that was determined um, a little bit more uh, ahead of time so that they could coordinate the call with the parents and etc. So, I, and and in and in the execution of that, it's like from my imagining, you know, they show up to you know your parents' house and they're like, "Hey, your kid may or may not be calling today." And at that point, I think any adult is going to be like, "Okay, so either something," but even but no, because like if something had happened like bad, it would they wouldn't be filming it. Right. So I would imagine that I would be like, "Did they win something?" Is it money? <laughs> so all of those, all of those like um, conversations always came across a little like flat or bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Just because like the parents are usually like, "Oh wow, that's okay, a gold star twenty thousand. That's like and like that. It's a. This seems so weird. Uh, <laughs> not large, large amount, large enough amount of money, where it's like you don't really react that calmly. So I think they had, they must have had some inkling, you know what I mean, leading up to the call. Yeah, yeah the, the, the way Laurel explained it to us was that they, they basically picked out three kids who were in the running for the Gold Star that episode, sent production, mm-hmm. little tiny crews to each person's town, and then just filmed with the one that won. 
So there were like you two know, family right? getting disappointed. That might be true. I mean, I again, like, I think, I think it's a, I think it's a case of like multiple things being true at different times. Yeah, I think it depends on the setup, probably. Because I know yeah. Laurel mentioned because we because I love both of I love both of y'all's families. They're so cute in totally different ways. But her mom was like freaking out, and I we noticed that in the show. We're like, why is this the only mom? Like, if my if I had a child and they told me they had twenty grand, they're coming home with, I would be like. Yes, and I think she, I don't know how that happened, but I think she mentioned that maybe her mom actually didn't know somehow, and that's why we saw more of like a, whoa, where we agreed, we watched, during watching the show, the calls were always very like, flat and bored and like, cool, you got what? Okay, well, have fun in the dust, I guess. (laughs) It was, it came off a little bizarre, didn't it? Yeah, no, it was, it was weird considering 20 grand is a lot. It's not like. 500 bucks which is still a lot to me honestly but <laughs> 20 grand substantial maybe because you're wearing red no that's something to write home about you know what i mean like it's yeah not no that's that's life i don't know that changed my life um so you're wearing red which made me think of the red team which i think is a kind of odd and isn't the red team was sort of an odd squad right i feel like because blue was always winning for the most part. Yellow was just like dishes drama. Green were like lovable. And I say this, but like lovable losers. They couldn't really win, but they had all like the sweet, sweetie pie. And then the red seemed like an odd mix of characters. So we have Mike, we have you, we have Gylan. Jared. And Jared. Um, how did, what was, I don't and again, this is open-ended really. Like, did you like being on the red team? Did you feel red pride? Were you like, was the red, did you have friends on the red team or did you get along more with kids on other color squads? Um, the truth, the truth is that I believe a, that no, I'm not going to give you guys ABC because I'm going to switch it to numbers halfway in between my listicles. So I'll tell you like this. <laughs> One of the truths is that, you know, when camera crews were gone, we were all freaking consorting with one another and like the colored district thing didn't didn't matter nearly. Mm. Uh, I don't think nearly as much as it did. I mean, in terms of like, if you were a laborer or not, I think that it's actually funny because I was watching that and I was like, what a what an excellent distraction tactic and how much it mirrors the system of capitalism that we actually operate under. And so that was a really fascinating thing to me. But to, to actually answer your question, I didn't particularly love being on like the red team. I don't remember particularly loving it. And also I did get along with a lot of the kids I think more so the, the the girls on the Red Squad, who you didn't really hear much no, from. No, you didn't I don't think, really get much. Emily. No, not much female yeah. energy from the Red Team. Yeah, Emily I, had that whole switch happen. Uh, <laughs> I just have to laugh because it was so... Just sleepovers and chicken killing and oh my, all that stuff. But yeah, no, we didn't really meet anybody on the Red Team besides these kind of core dudes for the most part. Yeah, like, it, was, it was myself. Gylan, Jared, and like Mike, and like Mike Hell sometimes, but like I mean, it was really just the. So yeah, I don't know. It, you're right. I think um, I think if there were a team that I felt like I belonged in, it was probably the green team, because mm. um, I was I was actually really close. I was really close with Laurel and uh, Morgan and even Hunter a little bit, and like just like more green felt better, if not blue. 
you know, and the only reason. Oh, and 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 Michael Tote too. We got we got along really well, apart from our moments of whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't particularly felt like I belonged on on that team, and and so I don't know. It was weird. It was yeah. weird. I felt like I'd been on blue or green probably. I just think with Red, we didn't really see much story as far as like a whole team goes because I feel like. We got a lot of blue energy, tons of yellow, and obviously lots of green. But red was always one that was kind of, like, well, floating story-wise, it seemed like. Well, I think what, what happened was the story producers definitely tried to push Mike as, like, a main character. I mean, they made him a town council leader. But within a few episodes, I think they kind of, like, lost interest and, like, mm. left the, maybe, like, a void in Red Team for several episodes. Mm-hmm. You saw and the so, rise of Guyland, but then he kind of fell off, too. And like, then, I mean, then we have... Our own but then you, uh, Daniel Kyrie takes over the town, the town council, council and everything switches. <laughs> yeah, you, you joined yeah. you joined the town council when it became the, the council of big boys. A lot of big boy energy. Wasn't that wild? I was like watching that and I was like, what a twist, honestly. Because that shit, like, all four of us like on the council at the same, literally, first of all, Greg and Wayne, LOL. And then secondly, the fact that there's like Michael and I, and like, I feel like I was actually a little bit of like, I, well, no, I was like hot headed for sure. Um, and I remember being a 14 year old boy, and I remember like thinking that although Greg got on my fucking nerves sometimes over the course of that show, like I, I personally never really felt threatened by him. And I also understand, I feel like I've heard some, some of the young kids at that time be like, yeah, I was intimidated as hell. And I was never one of those people, but I remember like wanting to be accepted by like Greg and Blaine because it was like, Greg and Blaine and Migle and Natasha and then there was like kind of me and that was like a thing. Ooh. You know? For, like for older like older kids? Yeah, I think we I think we kind of had this thing where we kind of were like and yeah, so I don't know. That's probably the closest experience I like I've had to like a like high school experience, I think. Cause I never went to high school, so I don't yeah. But it was it was a weird space of like wanting to be accepted and like wanting to stand out and then like also just wanting to be kind and then also being manipulated a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah were were you were you homeschooled um yeah we we found that that was a a lot of kids on kid nation were were homeschooled i think it was a few i mean i think it was a few i was home yes i was homeschooled at that time though i don't think i ever really talked about it that much though yeah, because you well, and we'll come back into where you are now and also in the nation. But because you said you didn't go, were you like, did you go straight into like performing after Kid Nation then, or were you like, was that the course you took? No, no I, I, so I was homeschooled from my recollection, and I, I, I will readily admit to you that a, my memory is fuzzy, and b, my long term memory isn't that fantastic when it comes to like my new show. Um, but, uh, I believe I was homeschooled at the time that I started working on that show, which explains, I think, how easy it was for me to just hop in, in the show, you know, um, yeah. at the time that we were shooting. And I was homeschooled, like, after that. But I think, yeah, so I was on Chicago Children's Choir, and I, I stayed on that, um, even through the airing of the show. And then the summer after that, I started performing. But because I was homeschooled, I, so yes, I was in a way performing like immediately after that, and like, but that wasn't the reason I was homeschooled. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, wait, that yeah. brings me to a new question, and I want to come back to the big boy town council because that was really when all hell broke loose and an explosive like three part series there. But the talent show, did you perform in the talent show? I don't recall you performing. I I have to be honest. I I think I did, but I don't. I really don't remember whether I did or not. I I remember that. So <laughs> at the end of the season, there's a song that the kids are singing. Yes, and it's it's like it's like I don't, life is like the wind, always changing. Da da da. And I was like, I'm gonna cry. Oh. That I that song. Wait, sorry. I remember I, I wrote that song. What? Oh, what? We were we were wondering yeah. because we were like, okay, this has to be an original song because they're not gonna pay for the rights. You know, yeah. So. That's why we're singing like Happy Birthday yeah. and like mm-hmm. Amazing Grace. Wait, so you wrote that? That's wild. Yeah, so, and I think, I, and I don't remember the sequence of events, but I think I wrote that song for the talent show. It was, like, Laurel Morgan, Eric, and I, and, like, I wrote the lyrics, and we sang it and did the whole thing. And then I remember, I think, I remember being like, hey, because I was actually, like, I was friends with, like, some of the, like, crew, too. I remember that, or, like, cool with them. And I remember being like, hey, if I, like, write the song and get the kids, like, do it, will you guys, like, record it? And they were like, sure. And I did. I was wondering if they were going to use it at all, and then they stopped it like right at the end of of the of the series. Whoa! Did, did you write the piano parts that Eric was playing as well, or did he do that? I think Eric and I came up with that together. I just I sang the melody for him, and then he kind of tinkered on the piano and like figured it out. Yeah. So like that. So yeah, I did stuff, but you know, not stuff that really made it. I don't think. Yeah. Cause obviously you're a talented. I mean, we're hearing little snippets here, but obviously talented singers. So, and I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't remember hearing you sing. Well, well, Laurel told us that you were responsible for one of her best moments because she initially, she did not want to take part in the talent contest because she was a town council leader, but she said that you overheard her singing, uh, amazing grace. And was like, Girl, you have to sing that. <laughs> well, funny because I don't know, I don't know how she remembers this. But I remember, so you know, in the mornings we all had to like kind of get up and like go and get mics before we could, we could do anything interesting, really. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and so I remember a few mornings we would like get up and be waiting to get mic or whatever, and she would sing, and then I would sing, and she would sing, and I would sing, and then this one morning she sang. Uh, Listen by Beyonce from Dreamgirls. Okay. And I was like, first of all, you are amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, you're literally on a television show and everybody needs to know that you can sing like right now. Yeah. And, and then, um, yeah, and I don't know how, it, I don't know how it came around it being Amazing Grace, but yeah, I remember being at the top and I was like, girl, stop playing. You need to sing and do the thing. <laughs> I remember that night too, when she when she sang. I remember she, her family called me, called my family, and we were on the phone, and she was just like crying and like being like, "Thank you so much for making me do that." And it was like a conversation that we had like when it was airing later. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, cause you freshly watched too, which is great. Cause I feel like now, I'm interested to hear your adult perspective, but. There was a moment where the big boy council went to this like Native American powwow. It it was seemed like it was overnight, um, and that really just st- stood out rewatching the show for us because there's interesting elements of it, right? Of like being the elders and teaching the children, but then there was also parts that obviously feel like this could be strange cultural 
I don't know. Like, just like, is the, what, what is the vibe on this? I guess I'm curious if like how you felt in that moment in filming and then now watching it. Um, it's just a really standout part of the show. That's really different to take the kids, the councils away. And then you came back. Did you guys stay overnight with them? Did you get this full learning moment or was it just shorter than what we saw? Or I would love to hear about that overnight trek to the, uh, with the native American tribe. Um, you know, what's really funny about that is I entirely, entirely forgot about it until I saw, until I watched it. I think we got to that episode, um, maybe even like last night or something, but I remember being like, oh yeah, Hefe or something. Because <laughs> Memory, I remember they're like, I remember him like calling us like Jefe, which is funny because it's Spanish, so I don't know. <laughs> like, I genuinely I don't know what like strange happenings in my brain, like, I, I like I had to assemble to even like get that, but I remember like, I remember like in between takes or behind the scenes, or whatever you want to call it, like. Him calling us Hefe, and then there were these wristbands that they gave us, which in hindsight were these totally cheap, like whatever things, but they had like, there were these like leather bands that all four of us had, and it had like three pieces of silver on it. And I don't know, I remember it being actually a really great, uh, a really great experience. Like, I remember like there was something that felt reverent about it, actually, mm -hmm. oddly. And hey, maybe you guys will talk to Michael and he'll be like, this was bullshit. But like, <laughs> from what I remember, at least, um, it, it was this, yeah, totally bizarre, totally odd thing. I believe we did stay overnight. But if we did stay overnight, it wasn't in those TPs. It was probably like in a trailer or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you guys come back into town the next day. And the hot two air balloons. 500 hot air balloons rising above Bonanza City. <laughs> Were you guys like, wait, what happened? Oh. Wasn't that kind of whack though? I was like, wait, why weren't we? But I know, but yeah, I, I remember said. that too. I remember, I remember coming back and being like, you guys could have told us there were going to be hot air balloons. Like, this is messed up. Like, I was upset. But um, that's what we said. We're like, why did they send them out without the council? I would be, I would be angry. I didn't yeah, yeah. When, when, when Jonathan Karsh is like, no, there may be a chance that the town council doesn't come back in, in time for the showdown. I was like, that's bullshit. That's not going to happen. And then, and then no showdown for the. You're out. The big boys. <laughs> I wonder if that was... See, now my curiosity has peaked. I'm wondering if that was intentionally because of the challenge itself. Because it was them, you know... Lifting the houses. Yeah. yeah. And one, maybe some, de some desire for that to be more, I don't know, difficult or high stakes or something. Because, because if we... Yeah, if we were there, I don't think that challenge would have been like that. Whatever. I don't know. I'm just, I'm pontificating. No, yeah. Well, I think it was obvious that anyone who was pretty much over 13 was leading the challenges for the most part. They were the mm -hmm. ones doing the heavy lifting. Literally. Doing the, like, putting, you know, inventions in order of when they were invented or, you know, whatever, whatever the challenge right. was. Phonogram before the record player. Did you like the showdowns or the element of competing on the show? Because when we watch back, a lot of these challenges are, like, seem really hard. For kids. Well, so I felt like they got progressively harder in, like, these very weird demanding ways. But, like, from my understanding, they, like, would test out the challenges. Obviously, they would test out the challenges before it got to us. 
But I don't know what their criteria for if children could successfully like compete them were because there were a couple where it was like well, we have to carry the freaking the stones or whatever. Oh, like yeah. and those oh, yeah. the, like we had to carry five hundred pounds each and like I remember doing that being like that's like fifty pounds a kid and like it was just this thing where I was like that's kind of messed up and like it just didn't make sense. But um, at the time, I didn't think any of those things at the time. I just thought it was, yeah, I thought it was fun. I, th- I had, a, had a lot of fun, yeah. personally. It was never anything that I felt in danger from or anything like that either. Although I did get hurt a few times on the show. But, yeah, um, I think on the very first episode, don't you, I think you like tendons. pulled a tendon or, or something? I think, I, think, I think Zach is right in that it was a muscle spasm. And I also think that I milked it. For like thousand <laughs> percent, um, like I remember also like because I also have asthma, um, which obviously doesn't get talked about on the show. So there were like like times where whatever I don't know my inhaler wasn't around and like whatever, and it, I think it ended up seeming like as something else. But I I, did, I had a few help. I also drank bleach. Oh, and I yeah, like, a whole there was like a whole plethora of things that happened like to me on that show yeah uh that i think when i watch it i cringe because it, it literally looks like i'm such a drama queen <laughs> which i am but <laughs> <laughs> but for good reason we got spasms uh, i need to yeah. know more about yeah bleach. yeah we because when you google kid nation inevitably you find like an article or a reddit post about this bleach incident so we just want to ask so could you set the record straight like was it overblown what actually happened so it was not overblown. I am so sorry. I'm getting okay. So no, it was not overblown. Um, basically, or well, I don't know. I guess it depends on what articles you found. <laughs> but okay, so you know how we did those those soda bomb things? Oh, yes. And you would take bananas, of course. The bananas bombs, right? So you would have, like, the mug, and that would be with soda, whatever soda. And then you would have, like, a flavoring, right? So it would be, like, blueberry or cherry or lemon. Um, and so I remember this one morning. I think we were merchants at the time. The registered were merchants, maybe. And I remember opening up the saloon and going in, and there were, like, no camera crews around, like, on us at that time. I think they were, like, in the kitchen filming something with the Yellow District. Uh, and Which is actually kind of odd because there were quite a few camera crews, but I just remember there was not one where we were mm-hmm. so so that happened um and so we went behind the 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 bar and i was like hey do you guys want to do some bonanza bombs like just to start the morning off you know because whatever we can do whatever we want and uh everybody was like yeah so i grabbed this total like and everything behind the bar was unmarked so i grabbed this uh this unmarked bottle with the yellowish liquid i'm like okay cool that's the lemon syrup and I pour it, like, into the shot glasses. I'm like, okay, let's go. And, like, you know, it's freaking arm's length away. And we drop the things in and cheers. And I remember, I remember this detail. I was chugging. And, like, you know how, like, when you're chugging something, you don't, like, really taste it sometimes? Like, I was so focused on, like, being... And then literally the kids around me started, like, spitting it out and, like, sputtering Like, almost immediately upon tasting it. And I'm, like, in my head, I'm, like, laughing. I'm, like... These guys are chickens, like, I'm going to win this thing. And then all of a sudden, something was wrong. Something was very wrong. And I think I was, like, about halfway done with my mug or something like that. 
and like the fumes, like I remember choking on the fumes and coughing and I couldn't catch my breath. Uh-huh. And I remember my hurting. And then I remember like running, like like there were kids around me like, kind of running and screaming. And I remember running and we found a camera crew and then I collapsed from my from my recollection, things went black. And then I came to and I was being carried away. And I don't remember if it was on like a stretcher or like what, but I was being carried away. And then I got checked out by the medics and I drank a whole ton of water and took some whatever, whatever, some pills. And yeah. and I remember being out for the rest of that, not like asleep for the rest of that day, but I wasn't back with the other kids for like, a, I don't know, some hours. And I remember sleeping and I remember waking up and feeling okay. And then they got me like pretty much whatever food I wanted. And so I was kind of like living it up. And I remember there was like, what I now know is called the village, which is where sort of all the monitors kind of are and they're watching and whatever. And I remember like um, being able to like see that, like somebody took me to see that. And I just like slept and drank a bunch of water and then like got to eat whatever I wanted. And then when uh, I said I was feeling better, they sent me back. And I was like, let me tell y'all, I had burger and fries and pizza (laughs) and water and I feel great, you know, like that. Wait, okay. When in the, what, how early in filming or where, what day are we at? Do you know, or around, was it early, middle? It, it feels to me, and again, I really, really have to reiterate that this is just, you know, unreliable memory, but it feels to me that it would have taken place somewhere midway. Okay. I don't know. It, it had to have been when we were merchants because that's the only time that I think that that could have happened where we're opening the saloon and like maybe there's not a camera crew around. You know what I mean? Did they call your mom when this happened? I don't remember. Whoa. I, I know you said you were friends with, you know, some of the crew, and I'm sure all the kids were friendly with the crew. Did you, do you remember them being like, oh, shit, we're going to get shut down, or, like, any freakouts from this incident? I don't remember that. And to go back and answer your question, I think that they might have called my mom and maybe been like, just so you know, there was an incident, he's totally fine. Yeah. Like that. I don't, yeah, I don't think, for the most part, I'm not totally sure that they were that transparent with the parents uh yeah. for most of most of the filming um but why was there bleach behind the bar and why was it in an unmarked bottle yeah okay I, I it's not like you guys too. were cleaning regularly it's or so it seemed from the show you know it seemed like i'm just shocked that you know because you guys don't have toothbrushes you don't have this but you have bleach it's so like it's just uh, i'm just I mean, surprised by that i mean we've worked on set sometimes people fuck up and just yeah i mean but there are so many safety regulations in order but all it takes is one person to be careless bleach. and <laughs> well and there are 40 children a yeah to keep track of true b i think for sanitation purposes even if it were not uh like exclusively talked about or, or shown in the show, I think that we had, like, disinfectants in general. Like, right. you know what I mean? The last thing you would want is somebody getting a fucking bacterial infection right. or whatever or the thing. So I think that, no, we did have, like, cleaning solutions to use, at least from what I can remember yeah. that is... So that would be why. Now, as to why it was in an unmarked bottle, somebody fucked up there. Damn. Alright, well... In Kid Nation Nation exclusive. I mean, we've heard the tale. Again, I think when you read articles, I, your brain, you're reading written word, right? So your brain goes like, 
my brain sees you like sieging on the ground drinking bleach right like and it's this extreme thing not that it's not not to undercut your story because that's so traumatic and scary um but it sounds like it ended with burgers so maybe that was a good thing i don't know but (laughs) but it is uh that's like a pretty big deal. Yeah, my my brain went to you taking a sip, spitting it out, and that being the end of it. This was yeah, a lot that's serious, like really truly serious. drinking bleach. Yeah, no, I drank. Yeah, I think I drank. I mean, it was it was diluted. With the freaking soda, but no, yeah, with corn syrup and root beer. Yeah, that, that's yeah, a but, true bonanza. Part. And, it's root beer and bleach. I think what's funny is that a lot of people are like, why did he or why did the kid drink bleach? And it's actually like less a why and more a how did that happen? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Oh, yes. It was not. I didn't imagine you was... like chugging it from the bottle, you know, with bleach written on the side to have it be this bottle mix up. It makes more sense, I think, for like all angles of the story, but like, oh, this is how production fucked up. This is obviously how a kid could accidentally drink bleach. And yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, you did get a lot of. That's tough. You you were you were put through the ringer in this pioneer town. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, because I think Maggie Maggie like fractured her thumb at one point pretty badly. Maggie, who you don't really. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm really like I don't even think we know Maggie, which is a shame. Yeah, I wish I could have met all these other multicolored, kids. she had the multicolored hair in the red district. You might have. She pops up every oh, once in a while. Oh, she's kind of like a goth kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, and you literally never hear from her on the entire show. Yeah. But like, she on one of the challenges, I think, yeah, she fractured her thumb, and I remember it swelling up like crazy. She was crying, and they got her a cast. I don't know what happened with that, but she was okay. But yeah, I, I do. I think I remember that happening. Um, Devon fried some potatoes. Yep. The way and got a little some splatter happening. I mean, I that know, was yeah. a, the Devon potato sales moment it's a controversial part in when both Pablo and I were watching it because I'm team I'm team Devad doing a side business he I don't remember our exact conversation I was pro this but it seems like that was also a controversial thing when kids started to do their own side businesses (laughs) and hustles in Bonanza City as well I don't even know if I have a question with that I just had to save it because you brought up Devad's hot potato business I remember watching it this time around and being like yeah, fuck it. Why not? Right. But I remember, but I remember being fourteen and being there, be like, "That's not the rules. That's not how this works. You can't just come up with another way to make money, even though you're a laborer." Like, <laughs> no, you know. And I remember being like, "That's dumb," and whatever. <laughs> and do you know what's really fascinating to me about like the mentality around the show is that there ended up after a while when it came time to like reward the the um the gold star or award the gold star it there became this thing around oh they're just doing it for the gold star and i'm like thinking about that now i'm like why the fuck does that matter because (laughs) if you're hard anyway and making it down a better place why does it matter if you're doing it for the gold star or not and i i don't know i've just been going back and forth with myself about that upon recently watching the show it's very um i feel like the theme and i think it's very 2007 is very bootstraps mentality right they just work hard and they didn't promote themselves and they just did what they were told and they kept their head down and that's why 
and not to say that the um, you know Hunter is a bad kid or anything. There's no you know there's none of that. But I think like the model of what Hunter did was like I'm just a good boy who does my chores and I don't brag about myself. And it seems like the kids right. who bragged about themselves were punished by the council. Like they don't like that you bragged about yourself. They don't like that you gassed yourself up and were like yeah like I'm selling hot potatoes or I'm making necklaces or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, which is weird. Yes. I I agree. I think. You shouldn't be able to brag about yourself and say, I, I'm working hard, take notice of me, and give me a fucking gold star. I think that's actually something, like, as adults, we kind of, like, value more now than we did as, like, or, well, I, I don't want to say we, like, but, like, us on the Kate Nation show. And, and I also think that it changed depending on who was in power on the council as well. Yeah. Because I remember... Well, I mean, when Zach got his gold star, I remember that being, like, controversial because Greg was an asshole. But, like, also, like, yeah, he totally stood up for himself and, like... Um, right. Well, he got, the he got the, like, the so later gold it, star. With the gold stars, you have no idea. Like, it was, like... First of all, to be a kid with that responsibility and that power, like, was awful. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. Yeah, because I was, you know... The- the kids came from different backgrounds, you know, some were upper middle class, some came from poor backgrounds. And to have that responsibility on your shoulder, once you knew, like, I could get my family $20,000. Like, there was one storyline, I forget the kid, but his, it was all about his dad being laid off and out of work. It was Hunter. Hunter. Was, yeah. It, it just added this layer of, like, oh my god, there's so much pressure on these children to... Provide. Yeah, provide for their family. And... Well, right, because you see this, like, opportunity as, like, these are, you know, they're on television and they want to be, and whatever. But, and also, you didn't, I, th- I think it's interesting that you didn't find out that information about Hunter until after he won the Gold Star. Yeah. Uh, I, I have nothing to say about that other than I find it interesting. Well, because like, it was... Oh, sorry. It's like he knew I, to not use I, it to get the Gold Star because that wasn't working for other kids. And I, I don't know if he was that, you know calculated about it but it was if anyone came with a sob story or something of heart it was like they just want the gold star and it's like yeah of course they want the gold star they're like they have like you know, at least like siblings and they want to go to college and they want to do this like who cares put yourself out there i always i i don't know i'm on that now i'm heated up about this gold star i agree i think you should be able to like put yourself on the stage to receive it but that wasn't valued then yeah, maybe, yeah, and maybe that's and maybe it's just a larger reflection of our perception as kids of the world at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps that's what that is. Yeah, and also I remember being the most disillusioned right at the end when the three giant gold stars, the fifty thousand dollar gold yeah. stars, came out, and I remember watching it and like I was getting upset. Like watch, sitting here watching it, and I couldn't remember why until we got to the moment where we, as a council, like deliberated. Because I remember, and I also remember, like I remember crying, like when it was before we knew about the the fifty thousand dollar gold stars, and it was the last gold star. I mean, like I don't want to do this, like yeah. And that was because a specific reason that that actually was. I think it's because I remember wanting to give one to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. I remember that, and I remember like, and it's because I knew things about his outside circumstances that I felt like maybe other people weren't aware of, or I, yeah, you know, 
kind of hard to say because it's so many years later now. But but I remember wanting a gold star to go to Pharaoh, and then I remember them telling us that two of the of the fifty thousand dollar gold stars had to go to um oh my god yeah two of the fifty thousand dollar gold stars had to go to either a former council member or someone who'd already won a gold star and i remember them telling us about that clause with these stars and we the four of us actually all four council members like fought them like we fought the producers and we were like that's not fair that makes no sense People here who deserve the, like this money, like more and need it more than the people who've already won gold stars. Yeah. I remember there's this one dude. I think his name was. Wait, I shouldn't say his name. We'll call him Alvin. And <laughs> Alvin came up, and he was like, he was like the most Hollywood douchiest of yeah. all the like producer people that we came in contact with. He's like, listen, babe, you do this for me, like whatever. Like I'll make sure that like you know you want to be an actor, right? Like you just you sell this for me, and I'll make sure. Blah, blah, like all this bullshit that I remember as a kid being like, eh, you sound like an idiot, like whatever. And then, but eventually they kind of like beat us down and not physically. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, just, what if that was the plot twist of this interview? And actually, we were physically abused. <laughs> beaten into submission. No. Uh, yeah, but I remember they were like, this is, hey, this is the way that it, that it has to be. Like, you have to do it. Oh, that's so annoying because watching it, because um, I think it was what, Morgan and Sophia, Sophia and then Nigle. And it was ran- it felt random because I'm like, okay, Sophia Morgan, obviously our standout green girls, duh. Like they're they're great, but they already won like if that was what we thought. We're like, they won. Why wouldn't you give it to I feel like yeah. it should have been like an overall, like not miscongeniality, but it's like it's like the end of school. Hey, how who well, hasn't gotten a star yet? And yeah. and Migle, we were hinting that she was gonna get a star for a few episodes, so when she did it wasn't that surprising. But since she was the only new person to get a star, it was a little I don't know. It wasn't that great of a climax, I guess, in terms of the show. I, I totally agree. And it's because that that at least was specifically sort of curated and orchestrated. You know what I mean? Like, there was only one new person that we could give it to. And then, again, having I have the benefit of having recently watched it, but I remember, like, in that episode, there's this cutaway where Jonathan's talking, and I think that they did a little bit of ADR, which we know in the businesses, somebody, like, goes in and they yeah. dub over with their voice and I, I believe now that they did a little bit of ADR so that he could quickly throw in and two of the skull stars have to go to a former council member or, or someone who's already won and it like it happens so quickly that you don't even like register I was gonna say I don't remember them stating that because I yeah. remember we were watching we're like this sucks kind yeah of. I, I mean like, like, he's, like there's Pharaoh or Jared or Markel all these like fun kids who have never gotten their due and it's like Migle okay she's cool but she's that's not really a standout. Yeah. I mean, great kid, but... Watch episode 13 again, and I, if, if you don't find it, email me, and then when you find it, because you're going to find it, um, when you hear it, email me, because, like, I know it's it, because I literally heard it, and I remember, like, the, I was like, I don't remember him saying that. Oh, we'll, uh, go find the, we'll go find the end. I mean, because yeah. it must have been, like, sub, subliminally, like, put in there, but... No, that is a lot of pressure to give out tons of cash and also under those circumstances and also there's just yeah there really were so many great kids i feel like didn't get as much airtime yeah, recognition and it too i think and it's not that immediately like she got like barely any airtime but she her her arc is true 
and then her and Natasha kind of came and they were like the cool girls doing like whatever and then I think over the course of the of the like time together they really softened up and became yeah like she, she actually became like a person who was um you know helping out more and 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 being a friend to some of the like younger girls in particular like I remember that like happening and also I'll be entirely candid and blatant I don't know I mean, yeah, fuck it. It's 13 years later, so whatever. But honestly, she had the most friends on the council. Oh, here we go. I, I think I mentioned... In, I hate when you bring this up, but I know what you're about to bring up. But go ahead. <laughs> in our recap for episode 13, I thought that it was like maybe Greg and Blaine had a crush on me. And that's why I gave her a star. Well, either way, friends are crush. She was in with the council. Yeah. Like, like, let's put it, let's put it like that. Damn. Yeah, because... I was actually really close friends with Miguel as well. So it was Miguel, Blaine, Greg, and I. But like I said earlier in the, in this conversation, like Miguel, Greg, Blaine, Natasha, and myself were a little bit of like an older like foursome like group of. Wait, is that four? No, that's five. <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> but like just like the older kids, like a group, you know, a yeah. gaggle, if you will. But so there were, yeah, and. And they were already building up a little bit of a story around her from their point of view too. So I just think it—I think it made sense. Right. It was the thing that made sense, maybe. And I still wish. No, I—I th- I just wish. I guess I just wish that those two gold stars hadn't gone to people who'd already gotten gold stars because that didn't necessarily seem. It didn't really seem fair, and it was a choice that was out of our hands because I, you know, I don't think that we would have made that. I really don't think we would have made that choice otherwise. Whoa! Mm. So you're saying Pharaoh? Pharaoh was a high contender for that. If yeah. It was, if it was refigured, it sounds like Miguel yeah. was probably going to get it. But who would you who would you give the other two? Like Pharaoh, and who do you think the other two should have gone to? I think Pharaoh. I still do think Miguel because again, like. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a similar situation with Pharrell where I knew things about Miguel, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. as a friend. Yeah, the connection. Like, and she's, she's, she's Chicagoland too, right? Uh, she was, yeah. Yeah. At that time. Cool. Uh, and, and we, we kept in touch for a number of years afterwards too. But, um, yeah, so Miguel, Pharrell, and then, I don't know. I don't know, like, based on who I was at that time. I couldn't tell you. Me, I, you know, who would have been the third person to get it? I don't know. That's Maybe Mike. Mike. Oh. Hmm. Okay, I could see that. that. He held it down for a while, and he kind of got like all council members, besides Laurel, got you know chewed out of their role eventually. <laughs> Laurel kept a, a mighty fist over her green team, but they loved her. It sounds like too. But Mike, Pharaoh, and Migle. I'm imagining the the re the you know, the alternate universe where we're seeing this gold star ceremony. <laughs> um, or if not, I think Anjay too. Anjay would have oh. been a choice. Yeah, we, we, we talked to Anjay, and he, he seemed pretty okay with not having won, but, I mean, he was a great kid. He, he, he definitely deserved Every, some, some reward for I forget Anjay didn't get a gold star because he was so prominent in the show and got so much slack for his leadership, but he's, I don't know, he's a kid. He seemed to be doing an okay job as much as a kid. As much as any kid can lead a bunch of other kids around. Well, I mean, he was, and he did do a good job. And I think that, like, there were just a lot of strong-willed people um, around him at that time. Again, we were all different people, but we're not even, well, whatever. It literally is, it, it literally feels like a lifetime ago. Like, I, like, or a different lifetime is more accurate. But, um, 
No, I think he was a good leader in context of the show and everything. And I just think he had really strong little people to contend with, and he lost when he went up against them. Yeah. That's really it. <clears throat> I mean, I think I'm at the end of Q. Do you have anything lingering? No. I have a hypothetical Q to end us, basically. Yeah, but just, so say CBS calls, we hang up this interview, CBS calls you immediately afterwards. What's the coincidence? They're like, Daniel, DK. Ooh, when did you switch from DK to, D- or do you still go by DK? We didn't really ask that. It's close. For, I mean, obviously, professionally, I go by Daniel Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I just grew up. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped being known as DK and started being called Daniel. But also, there are a lot of people, um, like in the theater community in Chicago, or on set, yeah. where still call me DK. I think it's more a thing of like people who know me more closely call me DK and then everyone calls me Daniel. Got it. So CBS calls are like, Daniel, how's it going? It's been a while. We want to get all the kids back, but for an adult kid nation. You're all adults now. Same cast. Everybody's here. 40 days. We're going back to Bonanza. Would you go? 40 days? Fuck no. <laughs> I have no, A, I have no time. I have no fucking patience. No, absolutely not. Um, like, literally, I would have no time to do that. But if it were, I don't know, a reunion, like episode, like special or something oh, like okay. that, for the sheer curiosity of it all, I am a full body yes <laughs> to have that experience. And because, like, I'm so curious at, at who everyone is now. Yeah. Like, I was watching, if you haven't, go watch Sophia's. I, I messaged her about it today, but go watch her videos on YouTube. It's shocking to me. Shocking to me how much she is the exact same person that yeah. she was when we were kids. And I'm, I'm awed by the fact that someone could know themselves so well at that age. Yeah. Well, I think she says on the show, she's like, I'm a 60-year-old woman trapped in the body of a 14-year-old. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. And she has since revised that. That to now she's, I think she said, now I'm like an 80-year-old woman trapped in, in, in a 28-year-old in the body of a 16-year-old. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah. if, if they get a Kids Nation reunion, I think that will be the straw that makes me finally subscribe to CBS All Access. If, oh, they, wow. if they want to do that, I am on board. <laughs> yeah, I think I would, I would, I mean, I, I would, I would do it, and then, but 40 days is a, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that answers everything. Thank you so much for talking to us, and um, if you want, I mean, we'll put this in the episode show notes, but yeah. do you want people to find you online? Do you want to give a sh- promo Oh, hell yeah. And you want to plug Chicago Fire? Yeah, give us some plugs. Okay, great. You guys, wait, should I do it in like I'm I'm greeting, I'm talking? Yeah, talk to, let's break the fourth (laughs) fourth audio wall. Okay, cool. Um, Hey guys, my name is Daniel Kyrie. You know me as DK from Kid Nation. You can find me on social media platforms at Daniel Kyrie. That is D-A-N-I-E-L-K-Y-R-I across all social media platforms yes that includes tiktok and you can also watch me wednesday nights 9 8 central nbc (laughs) (laughs) i fucked up that last part we'll we'll, we'll, we'll cut the pause we'll be straight to nbc i kind of like the pause but, but chicago fire right
Yes, on Chicago Fire, NBC, Wednesday nights. Watch it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Daniel.